This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. The art side of my father, this year is given Lila Nishmas, Rav Yitzchak, Menachov, Shmuel HaKoyen. And I'm very happy to see the Rosh Hashiva here. Yeah. Also have um, special special regards from Srili Kaler, who's who got me into this. Okay, um, I think today is a very going to be a very important shir. Hashem should give me Siyata Deshmai. We're gonna we're gonna learn something a different way of thinking, a different way of looking at things. So. Sefer Shemal, Sefer Vayikra, Sefer Bamidba, Sefer Devarim. Moshe Rabbeinu is in all four Svarim. Moshe is called Rabbeinu, he's called our Rebbe. So who could you learn more from than the Rebbe, than the Rebbe of Klai Yisrael? So we're going to talk about Moshe Rabbeinu, a little bit about his struggles, a little bit about his source, and I think that everything in the Torah is for us to learn from. I was in a. Se- I got here two days ago, so I went to the seminary, and the rabbi introduced me. Um, he said, ah, "I don't even know how to introduce him. He's my rebbe. I listen to him on. I see Torah anytime is here. By the way, they're absolutely amazing." And that that's pretty much what we're going to talk about today, because because I was there when they started. And um, it was two brothers who just had this idea. Why shouldn't we tape Shurim? And today there's millions and millions and millions of hours of Torah. And it was just this idea. And then lately, you know, so you think, okay, so that's it. Who else, now what are you going to do? You know, all the Shurim of all the Rabbeim, everything is on Torah anytime. You can get anything. And that's it. So this guy comes along, this young guy comes along. And he says, you know, not everyone has patience to, to listen to Wallstein for an hour. Um, or to listen to anyone for an hour. There's a lot of ADD guys out there. And they only got it, they only have about a minute. Their focus is about a minute. So he said, I'm going to start something called the meaningful minute. It's one minute. Exactly 60 seconds. And it has taken off. I don't know here in Israel, but in America, everybody gets the meaningful minute. So he came up with an idea. And people like, ah, a minute, what's going to happen? And you just, you have to dream. And like the Panavach Rav said, I'm dreaming, but I'm not sleeping. You have to dream, and you got to put it out there, and that's really what we're, we're going to talk about today. Okay. So, let's talk about Moshe Abenu. So she couldn't hide him. She put the little baby in the Teva. Okay, and she put him in the in the suf in the yamsuf. But the tzadzev achosim erocha. We know Miriam right watched it, watched her. Now it seems to be that she put him al svasayar, which answers. Oh, thank you very much. Which which answers an amazing question. Tyra, you have to be midactic in every single word. What's the question? How old was Miriam? I think she was six because Aaron was three years older and she was three years older. So she was six years old. Now, Pasik says later, She saw, Batya came down, she saw the Teva in the middle of the Amsov. 
Now, if Miriam's six years old, her hand is a foot long, a foot and a half long. How did the table get into the middle of the Nile? So the Patrick's explaining that. So you have a question, like what you do? She threw him into the middle of the Yavit. She, she, she was six years old, she was a little kid. So she, she could only put him right at the edge, right? So the Torah tells you, right, that she put him at the edge. Well, when Bacha got there, he was in the middle. So she had to have a miracle, Dr. Rashi. She put out her hand, as we know. Her hand kept stretching and stretching and stretching until it got... So the question is, the Kodesh Baruch Hu doesn't do miracles, especially that miracle. I mean, that would blow everyone in this room away. Right? Like, um, there's hats in the back there, and we have to down my river, and I just go, and the hat comes, and my hand keeps going all the way over there. First of all, all these guys would duck right away, because they don't know where my hand's going, right? Might have a little patch on the way there, right? And you'd be like, Whoa! How'd he do that? And God just said, well, he didn't really do it. It's an illusion. You know, everybody has their own... You know, he can't really do that. It's just an illusion. We don't... Because Baruch not... If I put my hand that it's not going there. Maybe if I tried hard enough, maybe. But... So, so it seems to be, everyone, that Hashem took this baby that's on the edge of the water and blew it or waved or somehow... I don't know if it has waves, right? But... And, and put him in the middle of the ocean so that when, when she comes down, her hand should stretch. What are you doing? The baby, she put the, the little baby on, on the edge. She comes down and pick it up. You have to make a miracle. You have to send it out. And then you have to make a miracle. Hashem doesn't make miracles for no reason. So the passage is very clear. <coughs> she just put him on the edge. How many guys in this room ever asked that question? How many guys ever thought about why does the Pesach change? Now it's all Messiah. How do you get to Messiah? Next Pesach is in the middle. Why does Hashem do this? She set down her hand. Okay, we're going to get to the answer. She opens up the basket and she sees this little baby. And this young man is crying. And she had Rachmanis on him. So if you ask most people, how did she know it was a Jew, the baby was a Jew, everyone answered because he had a bris. But that would not tell you that he's a Jew because Yosef HaTzadik made Xer in Mitzrayim that every Egyptian had to have a bris. So Moshe Rabbeinu having a bris did not tell her that he was a Jew. So it's a very beautiful Dvatayra here because the Kashi is, was he a yellow, or was he a nar? He was three months old. So what's the nar baicha? She saw a baby, but so we all know that his voice was like a nar. He was crying for Christ, but there's a negative terrace to this. And the terrace is like this. But there was a young boy crying, not Moshe Rabbeinu. He was three years old. He saw some Egyptian non-Jewish woman taking his holy brother Tuvia. His name was Tuvia, Kitavu. And he said, I'm not going to allow this to happen. He started crying. And she heard this. And she saw this. But Tachmal Olav, she had Rachmanus on who? On the little three-year-old crying? Or on the little baby? Right? Was the baby crying? According to this shot, the baby wasn't crying. But you ask how yelled, Why she wasn't crying? It wasn't a cryer, we know that. They hit him for three months. So it means that Aaron was crying. But Tachmal Olav could mean that she had Rachmanis on the three-year-old. 
when a Jew cries for another Jew, it can cause Rahmanas that the guy want Rahmanas on us because they see that we really care about each other. Could go on both of them. This is a Jew. A little three year old kid who cries about his brother that's not a guy, that's not a mystery. Or, she said, if there's a brother crying for a brother, the, that baby in the basket must be a Jew. Because if I was a Jew. So we see from here that that Aaron and Moshe will see soon had the same. He was crying. Because, a little three-year-old because of his brother. But why did it have to be a miracle? Why the hand stretching? Suck the pasuk. She names him. Right? She names him. He grew up. He stopped nursing. She brought him home. She called his name Moshe. And she named him Moshe because I took him out of the water. Boys, there are three reasons we got out of Mitzrayim. We didn't change our clothing. We didn't change our names. We didn't change our language. The one Egyptian name, the one name that was Egyptian is the leader of Kaisro. His name was Tuvya. Kadesh Baruch what are you naming him? Moshe. So the one, the one person who's our leader had a Gaisha name. He had a Hebrew name. His name was Tuvya. He had seven names, actually. His name was Tuvya. Why was he the only one that had an Egyptian name when the whole chus of Klai Yisrael was to have Jewish names? And the Teretz is that a name of a person is your source. It's who you are. And Kodesh Baruch Hu named him Moshe, took that name, because she put out her hand when she knew she could not reach him. And the leader of Klai Yisrael had to have a name and had to be a person that understood that not always have things look possible, but if I'm a leader... And I believe me, there's yeshiva sitting here. I am sure that when he started this yeshiva, he never dreamt that it would it would be this big. It would change so many people's lives. And when you go into it, it's like, how are you going to support it? How are you going to do this? How are you going to do that? But the great leaders of Klai Yisrael, and you have one in this room. Specifically working with Bachrim knows that sometimes you can't reach them. They're not reachable. They're coming from such a faraway place and they're so far. And there are those who say, not reachable, what do you want me to do? I can't deal with those kind of guys. But then there are those, like the Rosh Hashiva, that says, I will put my hand out. I will try to reach them. Whether I do or not, that's up to our Kosh Baruch. But if you don't put your hand out, 
you definitely won't reach him, right? I, I, I always quoted, I feel bad quoting a non-Jew, but I was a big hockey player, so I don't feel so bad. <laughs> and Wayne Gretzky, who was called the greatest, that's, what, that's his nickname, the greatest hockey player that ever lived, do not clap. <laughs> so I, I actually met him, I actually got an autograph from him, and if you saw, no, no. <laughs> absolutely not, shake Rakhineski's hand, believe me, autographs don't mean anything, it's not going to help you up there, but at that time I thought it would help me up there. Um, <laughs> So they asked him, and you know, if you haven't met him, he's a very skinny guy. He's much skinnier than I am. And he's, he looks like a runt. Like, uh, don't quote that. But he's like a, like a, like a road runner. Not a big, like, strong guy. And he sees the high score. He's like, he's the greatest. So they asked him, like, what do you attest that you're the greatest? Like, how'd you get there? And he said something amazing. He said, I had a coach when I was much younger. And he said to me, Wayne, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. If you don't take the shot, it can't go in the net. So when you get the puck, just shoot it. Just keep shooting it. It'll hit a guy's skate. It'll hit a guy's shoulder. It'll hit a stake. You don't take the shot, it can't happen. Batya power took the shot. Just put a hand out. I don't know what's going to happen. That's a leader. Tuvia's great. Born with a bris. Lit up like a light. That doesn't make you a leader. What makes you a leader is you put your hand out even when it looks impossible. So that name, even though it was Egyptian, that had to stick. And by the way, you want to hear something amazing? In last week's parsha, Hashem says to Moshe Rabbeinu, take the stick and put it over the yam and the yam will split. But then, the Pasuk says, he didn't take the stick. He put his hand over the yam. No mata. We'll talk, maybe we'll have a chance to talk a little bit about the mata. Because in Moshe Rabbeinu, because of his name, because of his DNA, spiritual DNA, that he was saved by a woman who put her hand out over the water and Hashem made a miracle. He had the, he had the koyach and the power. That when he came to Kriyas Yamsuf, all he had to do was put the same hand out. A hand doesn't split a Yamsuf. And Clyde Buster said, what are you doing? Get us a submarine? Get us a, a destroyer? A plane? Standing there in a, a roaring ocean like this? Like, wow, what do you think you're doing? Moshe Benner says, that's where I come from. That's how I was saved. Somebody put their hand out when it wasn't reachable. So Moshe Benner struck his, last week, stuck his hand out over the water. And the answer split because it was in his name because there was someone that put their hand out at something that was impossible and made it happen. Okay. Anyway, let's go a little bit weiter. So all the Bepharshim say, what was the, he became great. What was the great? Right? The Pasuk before said, Now the next Pasuk, right? It says, From one Pasuk to the other, he became from a yellow to Moshe. What was his godless? He went, to, he went out to his brothers. What makes a Jew great? What's Vayigdal? When you look at another Jew's pain. You saw the Ishmitzri? Okay. Let's go a little bit further. So my, my whole Dvar today, and, and I'm going to connect it to my father, Lord Shalom, and a beautiful Ma'am is, 
is asking the question, why? Not what? And this comes from, I talk about this to psychologists, I talk about this to teachers, I talk about this to everybody really, and it comes from the Torah. Listen to this passage. What makes Moshe Rabbeinu a leader? So he's a Rayat sign. There's a beautiful medrash on the Rayat sign that we all know that Hashem saw him put the sheep on his shoulders and Hashem said, this is the Raya of Klai Yisrael. Big deal, he put a sheep on his shoulders. I'm sure there were other shepherds that put sheep on their shoulders. But there's a little piece in the medrash that's godless. So this... He goes to the water hole, he, they all have water, he, he leaves, one of the sheep run back, where he run? To the water hole. Moshebeno says, what are you doing? Picks him up, puts him on his shoulder to bring him back to the rest of the sheep. You know what he says to the sheep? Do you know why I'm putting you on my shoulder? You should really be schlepping, you be bad. You should have sent the dog after him. Bad little lamb. Off the derech. Right, right, very good. Little lamb that went off the derech, Right? A loner, an individual, <laughs> independent. Instead of hitting him and sending the dogs after him, he puts him on his shoulder. You know what he says to the lamb? He says, you know why I'm putting you on my shoulders? Because if I would have given you enough time at the watering hole to drink, you wouldn't have had to run away. So it's my bad, not your bad. And if it's not your bad, you don't got to walk back. I got to carry you. I got up in front of a lot of mechanchim, and I said, the kid is off the derech. Maybe we didn't give him enough time. Maybe we didn't give him enough love. Instead of throwing him out, instead of punishing them, maybe we need to carry them back because if we would have given them the love and the time and the attention, they would have never ran away. So Moshe Rabbeinu was focused on the why, not the what. What? You ran away, Petch. No, why did you run away? Why would a sheep run away from the rest of the Hebra? Must be you didn't get to drink. If I'm the shepherd and you didn't get to drink, it's my bad. If it's my bad, i got to carry you back. What a, what a vart in chinuch, what a vart in, in parenting. We're looking at the, at the why. Oh, my kid doesn't learn. Oh, my kid doing this. Oh, he's a bad. He's listening to God. Be, uh, all that. Why? Stop focusing on the what. Because guess what? If you fix the what, you don't fix the why. If you fix the why, you fix all the what's. Give you a muscle. Somebody goes to the doctor. I have really a very bad rash. The doctor looks at the rash and says, I don't know if they still do this. There's a thing called calamine lotion when I was a kid. And you put it on and it cools it off and you look like you're an Indian in war paint, right? And everybody knows you have a rash from 20 miles away. He's got a rash. Look what he looks like, right? But he gives him the calamine lotion. He puts it on. Next day, he comes back to the doctor and says, oh, man, I got fever. Then he says, okay, take Tylenol. Next day, I have a crazy headache. Okay, take Motrin. Next day, he's running to the bathroom every three minutes. Okay, take Kaopectate, you know? And the symptoms keep coming out, and he keeps trying to take care of the symptoms. And finally, he goes back to the doctor and says, this is not working. Every time you fix one thing, another thing pops out. The doctor says, you know what? Maybe I should have taken a strep culture. <laughs> Takes a strep culture, it's positive. One antibiotic, all the symptoms go away. Treat the symptoms, you don't fix the situation. In fact, in strep, you keep, you keep treating the symptoms, that strep's going to go into your blood, it's going to go into your heart, it's going to kill you. 
we in this generation, in the psychology world, and many in the Chinuch world, we're very busy with the symptoms. Oh, her skirt's short. Oh my God, look what this guy looks like. Oh, he's drugging. Oh, he's doing this, he's doing that. Let's fix that. Let's send him to a rehab. You send him to a rehab, 90%, 90% relapse. What a business. 90% relapse. <laughs> 30 day, 30 day rehab, I'm involved. 30 day rehab, 90% relapse. They're going to be back again. What's success? Success is how much time between relapses. So the next time he comes back, 60-day relapse. And the next day, 90 days. And then 120 days. You know why it doesn't work? Why doesn't it work? He's in a great place. They're talking and they're psyching him. He's going through everything. He's doing all kinds of equine therapy. He's doing all kinds of... Why doesn't it work? And the answer is because you didn't fix the why. You fix the drugs. He's going to come back out. If you don't fix the why, it's going to pop out somewhere else. Okay, he's a drug addict. Now he's, now he's a gambling addict. And then he's going to be another kind of addict. You're not fixing the why. Everyone's busy with the what. It's good for business. The what is great for business. The doctor's making a lot of money. The guy came back five times. He would have come back once for strep. He would have given him an antibiotic. He would have been gone. So we're very busy with the what. How come this kid's off the dark? How come this kid looks like this? How come we're having a, a shit of crisis? How come we're da, 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 da? Right, look at this. Oh my gosh, I can't, I can't. Look what's going on in Clydesville. But nobody says, Why? Why is this going on in Clydesdale? Maybe we didn't give him enough time at the watering. Maybe we didn't give him enough time. Maybe we're too busy on our phones. Maybe we're, just, maybe we're just doing the wrong thing. Fix the why, you fix the what. Fix the what, you don't fix the why. Very important to learn in life. And you know where this comes from? Tyra, no psychology, not Freud, whatever. <laughs> comes from the Tyra, it's all here. And who is the main who is the main Madua? Two people in the Torah we see it. Two people it's mentioned. Yesuf Atzadik, Moshe Rabbeinu. And Akadosh Baruch Hu was not willing to talk to him until he saw that he asked the why question. Because a leader that just deals with the what will never get it done. Listen to what happens. So he's a riot sign. And there's a burning bush. Moshe Beno sees there's a bush burning. There's a fire in Klai Yisrael. But Klai Yisrael is still holding on. The bush itself did not burn. Now listen carefully. He's talking to himself. Who's he talking to? Who's Moshe Beno talking to? The sheep? Who's he talking to? Who are you talking to? Himself. He's talking to himself. Asura, let me, let me, let me turn... What is going on here? Let me. I just knocked off your whole phone. Sorry. Where you go? What? Two mics are interfering with each other. Even they can't get along. Okay, we'll, we'll make it work out. Okay. Now I'm in stereo. Stereo. Right. Good. Number one, guys. You want to make a change in the world? You got to turn your heads. In, in seminary last week, I asked them, what's the distance between east and west? So one girl, she's like, she's really brilliant. She knew the diameter of the earth, and she figured it out. Damn, miles and zings and zach and what, whatever. And, and then another one had an argument with her, maybe because maybe you go across the equator, I don't know, whatever. I said, anyway, don't waste your time, you're wrong. <laughs> the Kutzka Rebbe said, you know the difference between, boys, you know the difference between east and west? The turning of your head. This is west and this is east. That's it. Not thousands of miles, but you gotta turn your head. So that's what he did here, Moshe Rabbeinu. Asuinava era es hamara hagodno hazeh. 
I have to see what's going on here, but here's the big thing. Here's the lesson. That's why I came here today. Everyone walked by. Woo! You think it's the only one in the desert? Everyone, wow, cool. Magic trick. Wow, unbelievable. Illusion. Burning bush, but it's not burning. So I was like, illusion? Shem doesn't make illusions. Madua. Why isn't it burning? Hashem had never in the has never spoken to Moshe yet at this point. And the Torah tells us why God decided to talk to Moshe. When Hashem saw that this shepherd turned to see, Hashem said, now I'm going to talk to you. You're not just walking by, you're not just a Jew saying, oh, crisis, my God, Christ, you saw, you saw Yeshiva world, you saw, oh, oh. you saw world, oh, you saw, you saw, you saw, this guy got arrested for yeshiva world. What, what happened? Chavetz Chaim is not in yeshiva world. Like what? They put the word yeshiva in front, and that's it. It became like you can do it. Talking about this guy got arrested, and this guy got arrested, and this guy's going what? And what are we doing? Because it has the word yeshiva in front of it. Waste your time. Why? Why are we suffering? Doctor Moshe Rabbeinu said, "Why is this bush burning? But it's not burning." Shem said, "You, I want to talk to." You stopped, you turned, you asked, you I want to talk to, you're going to be the leader of Kleistral. And that's the Torah tells us, not by walking, the Torah tells us, Hashem, This was his Kayach. But there's someone else before him. In fact, there's a Rashi, I don't know if I'm going to be able to find it so fast, but there's a Rashi in this parsha that Moshe Rabbeinu asked Madua a different question. Let's see what it says. He saw. He asked Hashem, why are the Jews suffering? Exactly where it says is when he came out. He no, it uses the word Madua. Not in, the, not in Rashi, not in the Pasuk. Well, anyway, if you look through the Rashi, you'll see that he says, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, why are they suffering? Madua, why are they suffering? And this was when, all the way in the beginning, when he first when he first came out, it should be in Yud Aleph, but I don't see it. But that, that's what he asked. But this, something happened before this. And anyone who ever asked Madua became a very big leader. Let's go look at a different Madua that actually saved the world. Pashas Vayeshev. Listen to this. Okay. Number one, guys, you gotta look. You can't keep your head down. You gotta look. What Yosef cares about a bunch of guys in jail? He had his own problems. He's in jail. He's sold. His brother will never find him. No one's going to ever find him. He's never going to get out of there. He's stuck in a jail for something he didn't do. So I, I, I talk to guys who are like, you know, my rabbi hit me, and, I, and this one talked that to me, and oh my gosh, and I'm off the deck. You have to understand. You know, it's not fair. And I'm like, ooh, you really had a hard time. His brother just threw him in a pit, undressed him, threw him in a pit with a bunch of snakes. That just, just, just scares me. Not having any clothes on, being thrown in with a bunch of snakes and scorpions. That's pretty scary. So they try to kill him, right? A little bit, a little abuse, not much. And then, 
They pulled him out of the out of the bar and they said, "Oh, you didn't die." They should have said, "Ooh, I got your baruch hu, right? No, they sold him down to Mitzrayim. Goes down to Mitzrayim. Who buys him? Just the lowest guy in the whole world. Lowest guy in the whole world buys him. If you look at what the what, what, what it says about Potiphar and what Rashi says that he was on the other side. So he bought. I don't want to use the word. So he bought because then I'll get all these complaints. So he bought. <laughs> so he bought Yosef for himself for Mishkav Zohar. You're talking about Yosef HaTzadik. You're talking about, you're talking about the Chidot the, the says, the foundation of, of morality. You're talking about the hope of Yaakov Avinu. You're talking about the one that's going to take Esav, that's going to burn Esav down to the ground. And, they, and he, he ends up in Mitzrayim because his brother sold him. And he's, he sold to a guy like that who bought him from Mishkav Zohar, Yosef HaTzadik. And then he realizes, Potiphar himself realized that this is an Ishmat Sliak. This is a man of God. I'm not touching him. I'm staying away from him. That's what the Potsik says. This is not for me. This is not for my games. This guy is a holy guy. Right? He's like, what are you doing? Right? And then he's finished with him. Then Potiphar's wife starts with him. And he runs away. He's the biggest tzaddik. He's the firmest guy. He's away from everybody. He's got all the excuses. Abuse. Sold me. I'm away. No one's gonna, no one has cell phones. No one's gonna ever know what I do. Right? No one's not gonna be in Yeshiva world what I did. It's not gonna be in, a, gonna be on any internet. It's not gonna be anywhere. Right? I could do this Avera. I'm in the Trium. They'll never find me. Hashem, anyway, it's not my fault. Look what I went through. Right? And he says, no. yours. I beat it. And he runs straight into jail. He's like, Zu Torah, I mean, come on, God. I mean, this beautiful woman, and, and I had reason, and I had everything, and I ran out, and then she points a finger at me, and you throw me in a dungeon, and what it says about this dungeon, if you ever look at the Medrash, like an Egyptian dungeon is you go in, you don't come out. Like, he's in the worst place. So, he's worried about some Egyptians walking around depressed? What are you, a therapist? Like, what, you, what, what are you doing? But that was Yosef, because Yosef started off, and he saw the pain of his brothers, of the maidservant's brothers. It starts off in Pashtun Yeshev, and he defended the maidservant's brothers against the, 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 the sons of Leah, because he cared about how other people felt. Because he said, why? So he says, why? They're depressed. Okay, not my problem. It's a depressing place being in jail. Everybody was depressed. You think they were partying? But Yishal, we say, Parashah, Mishvah, and Allah, Lema, what he say? The what is that you are depressed and you look sad, but I'm not stopping at the what. I'm asking you the why. And they say, we had a dream, we got a translation, that led to Yosef getting out, that led to Yosef saving the world. Why, guys? Because he wasn't interested in the what. Yeah, this guy's depressed. Okay, let's go on. New day, next day, no. He stopped and he said, Madua, I need to know why. Why are you depressed? What's going on? Just because you're like me in, in the jail? Or something else is going on? Yeah, I had a bad dream. Oh, okay. And that led him to save Kleistra. Save the world. Forget about Kleistra. Madua. Not only did he leave that, but because he did that, he made a rule when they were selling everything because there was no food. He made a rule that the priests of Egypt do not have to pay taxes, do not have to pay taxes, do not have to work and they're fed for free. Later on, Shevet Levi, 
who was the priest of Klai Yisrael, also, they were in that law, they were priests. So they didn't have to pay taxes, they didn't have to work. So who was teaching Klai Yisrael Torah, because everybody was working, who wasn't working, who actually went into the field to teach him Torah, was Shevet Levi. Why was Shevet Levi allowed to teach Torah and keep them religious? How come they were allowed to do that? Because Yosef HaTzadik asked some guy in a dungeon who he had nothing to do with, why are you depressed? The power of the question, why, not what. The what is, they're depressed. The what is, the bush is burning. It's the why that made him, Yosef HaTzadik, and made him the king saving the world. It's the why that may Moshe Rabbeinu be spoken to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and be chosen as a leader of Klai Yisrael. And that's something that we have to do if we're going to Chinuch, as parents, as, as people who want to change the world. If people want to change the world, you have to put your hand out. And you have to try. And my father, Allah Shalom, always used to say, I've said this here before, but it's so true, that 75% of success is based on failure. So when you try something and you fail, it's great. You know why? Because now you know what doesn't work. And that's a positive. Everyone gets depressed right away. I tried the Gemara, I did. Okay, so you didn't sleep enough last night, you don't understand the words, maybe you have to do a little bit more time, whatever it is. Learn from your mistakes. Because at the 75% level of making all those mistakes, now you're going to get it right. And when you get it right, guess what? You won't make those mistakes anymore. But if you're successful right away, you have a very good chance of failing. My father told me, he said, Gakos. If I'm successful right away, I don't know the, 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 the pitfalls. So when they show up, I don't know how to deal with them. But if I went through it in a laboratory, I went through all the stuff that doesn't work, and now I finally got it to work, I'm not worried about the failures because I went through them all already. So don't worry about failing. 75% of success is based on failing. If you fail and you don't learn from it, then you're a fool. It's time you're going to do it again, then you're a fool. So when things don't work out exactly, okay, sit down and think about it. Why didn't it work? Cross that off your list. It's like making a cake. This ingredient, uh, it didn't rise. It's flat. Uh-oh. What didn't I put in? What did I put in? And you work it out. You work it out until the children, then the kogel is the best. And you can tell all your friends, my wife makes the best kogel. You think she made it the first shot? They're sitting in there. They're like, yeah. <laughs> Don't be scared to put your hand out. Look what happened to Bacha. I was telling my girls, there's very few people, I don't know if she can correct me, either seven or five that went to Elam Haba alive. Seven, I think it was, uh, it was Eliyahu and Navi, it was Sarah Bas Osher, it was Bacha Bas Paro. There's a few more. There's a few more. Okay, but Bacha Bas Paro went to Ghanaian alive? The daughter of Paro, what did you do? You put your hand out? Big deal. You put your hand out. You didn't know it was going to stretch out and say Moshe Rabbeinu. You know what that means to go Ganeid in a life? And the answer is yes. Because she tried. And she put her hand out. And had she not put her hand out, I don't know who would have said Moshe, but it wouldn't have been her. So guys, I can't guarantee you Ganeid in a life. But even Ghanaian dead is a good thing. <laughs> Trust me. Hashem has Rechmanis. He never took anyone to Gehenna alive. At least, as far as I know, it doesn't say that. Just for putting your hand out. When I started Ornava, I started Ornava actually, my father passed away. I was very angry at Hashem. Um, with all my emuna and all my stuff, but you know what happens to you, you can give speeches. What happens to you? So my father got sick. He had he had cancer, esophageal cancer. We went to the doctor. I was with him. And the doctor said, 
I don't have good news for you. My father knew because he couldn't swallow whatever. He said, you have esophageal cancer. It's inoperative. Um, it was ready in his liver. He said, three months. I was sitting there. Now, when you tell somebody three months, a death sentence, most people, you know, they, they cry. Well, men don't cry, but they... He looks at the doctor and he says, can you guarantee me three months? He says, we as Jews, we don't have a guarantee for one minute. You're telling me for sure the next three months I'm alive. Not you, Dick. <laughs> doctor looked at him, he was looking at me, he says, I don't see what your father's saying. I'm saying, my father's saying, thank you very much that you guarantee me the next three months. <laughs> he looked at us like we we're totally out of our minds. But if you, knew, if you knew my father, imagine the worst thing you could ever hear. And he's like, three months, that's amazing. That's who he was. It was a... Is a nayudik, a nayudik, a balamuna. So, so by him, nothing was impossible. He, he was not, nothing was impossible. I know in the Marines, he was, he was a soldier, my father, in the army. And the Marines, they tell you that. He told me a little bit about his training. That um, they, in those days, they had mines in the Korean War. Everything was mine, mine. So if you step, Marine, Marine, you step on a mine, and it blows off your left foot, it's okay. Hop with your right one. If you step on, a, if you hop on another mine, and it blows off your other foot, marine, roll. And if you roll on a mine at that point, marine, you're dead. It's like, it's like, whoa. It's like, don't stop. You have no feet. You keep rolling. It's like these guys are. It's crazy. The training is crazy. There's no everything. So he was like, nothing's impossible. So when I so when when so he said three months I came right there to Israel I flew right there to Israel because my father was the closest the closest human being in the world to me he was an unbelievable father and not all of us have fathers like that but all of us can be fathers like that guys are like oh you're so lucky you had a father like that I'm like no you're so lucky you could be a father like that every guy in this room can be a father like that if you don't have such a father okay not everyone in the Torah had such a great father either Avram had Terach I don't know he wasn't like. <laughs> So, as from as I was, and I was a Rebbe at that point, he, my father's not here 20 years, so I was a Rebbe at, tw- I'm Rebbe 41 years, so I was a Rebbe at that point 21 years, I went straight to the Kaisal, we're very, we're Kahanim, that's where we go, we, you know, I went there, I went there this morning for Wasikin, I stood in front of the Kaisal, and someone says, what are you doing, standing in front of the Kaisal, I'm like, I'm online, so what are you online for, so I'm a Kayan, what are you online for? Like, are you kidding me? 2,000 years on the unemployment line. My feet are killing me. <laughs> we, want, we, we want to start to go back to work. So anyway, I came to the Tzitzvah. I ran to the Kodesh. So I said, Kodesh Baruch Hu, here's the deal. I'm a deal maker. 21 years or 20 years at that point. 20 years of teaching non-from kids and bringing them to you, Hashem. I give it back. You can take my Ganadin. Give my father a year. Because my father always asked me to drive to Muncie to learn with him, and I never did. He was, he was 67, and he was, he was so healthy. He was a racquetball player. He finished shot seven times. I was like, he'll die on the, on the paddleboard court of Florida at 95 somewhere, right? So I'm like, what's the rush? He's 67, you know? You never know. And he said, I would love to learn with you, Zachariah, once a week. Come up on Wednesday. I'm like, yeah, Dad. It's a song like that. Whatever. We're all cats in the cradle. Whatever. Right? So then I'll do it. But now I, didn't, I couldn't do it. And the doctor said three months. I'm like, God, you know. So the Bnei Sosa, why did I ask him to get totally before Shalema? The, the Bnei Sosa says, well, you daven, ask for a little bit. So I figured, in nine months, I'll ask Hashem for another year. You know, it's a game, but it's not a game. It's how you daven. Don't ask for, uh, a miracle? Uh, give him, give him, give him. So ask for a year. 
Okay, I came back. I went to this mukubal, that mukubal stuff to rub on his chest, up at this words, zach and mach. I had everything, every trick, everything you could ever try. I stayed up the whole night. I said to him, well, one day I got him on the plane. I came back home. My father died three months later. Maybe Hashem, maybe Hashem gave him two weeks, three, three months and two weeks. I said, I'm out. At the end of the shiva, I said, I'm out. God, listen. I gave my whole life to you, at least half a day for kids. I'm going to be like my friends. I'm going to give tzedakah. I'm not, I'm not out of Yiddishkeit. So what should I teach? I'm teaching for you, which is foolish, but that's how we're thinking, right? So I don't need to be a Rebbe. I'm working only half a day. I'm making a lot of money. If I work a whole day, I'll make double that, right? So I'll be like my friends. I'll give tzedakah. I'll go to shul. I'll put on tzedakah. I'll be a firm guy. I'll keep Shabbos. I'm not going to be a Rebbe if you didn't even give me a month. People get another year, another two years, it slows down. My father was taking all this chemo, and the doctor said, bulletproof cancer, that's what he called it. Whatever we're, sh- whatever we're hitting him with, it's bouncing right off. I'm like, of all the people my father, I was like, out. I picked up the phone, I said to the, to the principal, hi, it's Rabbi Wallstein, I, I, I don't have it anymore. I'm not teaching, you have to find a new teacher. Out! A week later, I'm sitting on the steps of my house, and I'm like, what are you doing? Your father died, you didn't die. He wanted to, his whole dream was that I should be in Chinuch. You, now you're going to step out of Chinuch? What are you doing? The boys need you. So I called him back. Did you get another teacher? He said, no. He said, why not? He said, because I knew you were coming back. <laughs> sure. I said, well, I got to do something for my father's neshama. And that's when I opened up Bonava. Instead of stepping out, they stepped in, and today, Ornava, a terrace Nava, two seminaries, a high school, a rehab, it's all from Akash Baruch, I just put my hand out. I, did, I didn't have any intentions. In fact, I was just telling somebody, you start off very slow, anything great, you start off very slow, because if God would have told me 20 years ago that you're going to have a high school for kids that are going through a struggle, plus two seminaries, plus Baruch Hashem, a family and a business, and a rehab in the mountains, a ranch... I would have said, that's too much. Give me one. So what he does is he gives you one, then he gives you the next, then he gives you the next, then he gives you the next. He doesn't give you the whole pile right away. Because if you saw the whole pile, you're like, no, I can't do that. My father used to say, I went to him once, I said, Tom, my plate is full. He said, get a bigger plate. <laughs> he said, that's what we thought. Big deal, your plate's full. So that's it, it's over. Get a bigger plate. And it won't look like you have anything on your plate. So when I opened up, I didn't know who to open up for. <clears throat> High school girls, Seminary girls, single girls, married girls, and there's a bunch of very old ladies that their, their husbands die and they live alone in Flatbush and in Brooklyn and they have nothing to do and the, their grandchildren come visit them or call them once a week, whatever it is. I said, I'm opening it 16 years to 120. That's my age. And I met the mechanic of girls in Kleistro. And I sat down and I want to pick his brain. I'm opening something new. And he said, what's your target? And what's the word? What's your target? I said, 16 to 120. Fail. Can't work. You think that a married woman wants to sit with a high school girl? You think a high school girl wants to sit with an 80-year-old woman? It's not going to work. High school girls need a separate seminary girls, married girls. Single girls don't want to sit with married girls. Married women have children. They need chinuch. Then you have these 80-year-old people who need more than chinuch, Right? And I said, so tell me, Rabbi, who do I cut? Who doesn't deserve to have a place to go at night? 
High school girl, seminary girl, the married girl. How about the 80-year-old woman who has nothing in her life anymore? Who do I cut? He says, I don't know, but you got to cut four out of the five. And I said, no. What's the worst thing that's going to happen? I'm going to open it, and if it doesn't work, then I'll find a target. It's 18 years, there are 20,000 women in Ornava on our website, whatever, what we have. Every night, there was something going on. If you come into Ornava, you will see married women, high school, all sitting together. Because when it comes to chizuk, it doesn't matter how old you are. And I have to tell you that we have saved the lives of many 70, 80-year-old women. The whole front row. They're sitting there, and guess what's happening? The, young, the younger ones are speaking to them about their past, and they're learning from them. And we should have failed, for sure, according to any normal thing. But I learned, just put your hand out. Try it's not, it's not, someone said something unbelievable. It's just as big a miracle, this is, this blew me away. It's just as big a miracle to put your hand out as it is for your hand to stretch. You think your hand is, whoa! For your brain to send a message to your nerves, to your muscles, you're not even thinking about it when you put your hand out. You'll think about it. When I put my hand, I'm not thinking about it. For all that to happen in your body, do you understand what has to go on? To stretch is one thing. Your hand stretches. But to move your hand, there's a million different things going on. You hear? So you think because you try, because you both runs the world. We don't run the world. Madua, you need to ask that question. And you have to ask that question to yourself. How come I'm struggling? How come I'm so busy with all this garbage when I, I have a yeshiva, I have a place to learn, and I like to learn, and I know how to learn. I'm busy with girls, I'm busy with all this stuff, but I like what? Why am I pulled over to that? If you can't figure out, then you need to talk to Chavrusi, you need to talk to a Rebbe, you need to talk to Mashkiach. I don't understand. I have this crazy type of for this or for that, for this, for that. Don't accept it. Say, why? Madua. Why is the bush burning? But it's not burning. And the reason the bush was burning and not burning was to show Moshe Rabbeinu that no matter how much fire Klaishwal is going to go through and all our goals is, Klaishwal will always be not burnt. It's a very ridiculous lesson. But you have to ask Why? You see a guy in yeshiva, and he looks depressed. Like, you know, I hope you have a better day today. No! Get over here. What's going on? Usually you're smiling. And by finding out why, you might save his life. There are many stories where people that were going to take their own lives that day met someone who said, Hi, how are you? Good morning. What's going on? And they're like, All right. I, I thought nobody cared. Somebody cares. So many stories I've heard like this. Just a good word. That makes Moshe, that made Moshe Rabbeinu. That's a Rebbe. That's something you learn from. That means Yosef HaTzadik. I want to tell you a story. I, I always was dreaming that my father would have left me a will. You know, he knew he was, he knew he was in big trouble. That was for sure. And write me a will. Tell me what you want me to do. You know, say I love you. Say goodbye. Just write something. So I went through all his farim to see if he left any will. For many years as a little boy, the Sefer Ma'am Loyas had just come out. Every single Shabbos, that's what we learned at the table. Ma'am Loyas has great stories. The first storyteller, first storyteller was Ma'am Loyas. So we sat at the table and we always... My father's Ma'am Loyas is all beat up at home. But what he did was, when he would prepare for Shabbos, what we were going to learn, so he would learn Thursday and Friday, he would underline what was important to him that he wanted to learn with us. So certain stories. So when I go through his ma'am loes, that's his will. 
whatever's on the line is what he's telling me. One of the stories that he underlined in his Amlayas, which he spoke about a lot, is a story that I want to end with. It has a lot to do with Madua. The story is like this. I actually spoke to Vrit last night. It was a disaster. Anyway. <laughs> they loved it. Because they thought I said one thing and I was really saying another thing. <laughs> I'll tell you a cute story. I shouldn't say it, but you know. I shouldn't say it because people are like, don't be so real, you know. Everyone thinks you're a child. They don't tell them what you were as a kid. I'm like, no, you need to know. So anyway, I'm not going to say where I went to yeshiva. It's not important. And um, there was a drive-in movie theater in those days. So people had cars and they drove up this huge screen on the outside. And then you'd have a wire with like a speaker and you'd pull it into the car and you'd, you'd sit there and you could eat. And you're in a car. You could eat whatever went on. And they watched, they watched on the screen what, you know, what was going on. Now we didn't, we were three yeshiva guys. And we also wanted to see the movie. So we went to the movie. We stood out, we stood all the way in the back and we watched the movie, but we had no sound. So you had to pay to get the sound. You had to have a car. You couldn't stand outside with a speaker. We were hiding in the bushes anyway because we were there and we didn't pay. <laughs> so we watched the whole movie and there was, there were, there were never had shown not clean movies because they were driving kids. Everyone could see, you know, the people in the car, whatever. And the three of us on our way back to Yeshiva, I would say like, that was an amazing movie. And I would say what I saw. But my friends were like, that's not what went on there. You got the whole movie wrong because we didn't hear the sound. So everybody came out of there with a different, you know, with like a different situation. And so many times people come with many different situations. They, they see, what's my lesson? I have to learn a lesson so it's not such a bad thing that I did. Right? You got to fix it. Right? Rationalization. I have a share on that. So my rationalization versus Yeshiva was, you could tell someone... Three people could see one thing, and they all come by, come away with something else. You don't have to go to drive a movie to hear that, but I had to get something from it, right? And you see that. Three people can walk by a bush, and one says, Madua, and the rest keep going and say, wow, what a good trick. Okay. Listen to this story that my father underlined. There's a story, and we'll finish in five minutes. There's a story with the Tamachacham. He was a big chassid. He asked for my Kodesh Baruch Hu, tell me who is my chavrusa in the next world? Okay? So, they told him, Did you keep asking us about? Katsav Pliny, is this in this butcher? Ooh, he was broken. He woke up, and he started crying. He said, so he sat in Tainus, and he started davening. He said, uh, the message I got from Shemaiah must have been wrong. They came back to him in the dream again. They said, Katsav Pliny. Started crying again. So they sent them a message from Shemayim. If you were such a big tzaddik, you said, Misa. We would kill you for crying about being chavrusa with this butcher. He's like, this is some butcher. Let's find out what he's all about. He went to find out what is, what, what did he do right? So he asked him, Tommy, what do you do? He says, I am very honest with my weights. And when a poor person comes to me, I give him the best cut of meat. And the profits that I make, I give half to tzedakah, and I give half profit. So the chassid said to him, that's very nice. I guess the chassid was a really big tzaddik. He said, that's very nice. Something else. You must have done something else. Okay, there's a kash on this whole mice. Like, this chassid must have been a bagaiva. Like, that's not enough, Right? Well, whatever it is, he wanted to know what this other person is going to be my chavrusa. What do you got? Like, there's a lot of people that are honest, and a lot of people give the ani the good stuff, and a lot of people give the tzedakah. Well, what do you got? 
So, the butcher was quiet. He said, no, no, don't be quiet. You have to tell me. He says, okay, I'll tell you a story. He says, I remember a story before many years. I was sitting in my store. And a bunch of crooks, a bunch of pirates came by. There were many captives. They, they, that's what they did. They kidnapped people. There was one girl sitting amongst these captives that was crying out of control. Listen carefully. I came, I walked over and I said to her, Beatty, my daughter, Why? Why? I, I know you're crying. That's the what. Why are you crying so much? I'm alone. You should know my master, Shabbat Yisrael, and I'm a Jew. They're going to sell me, and I'm going to, they're going to sell me to a guy, and I'm going to become a guy. I want to be a Jew. So that somebody will be paid to me, somebody will redeem me. I could stay Jewish. Shemati Devareha says the butcher, when I heard her, Nishba Libi, my heart was broken. Ramati, Hirakti Biti, wait. I'm going to do it. Rolakti Itso Adonai, I went to the master, the Ganav, and I gave him, he asked me for a lot, a lot of money, more than I could give him. I collected it, and I gave him, and she was 12 years old when I adopted her. The Gidalti Itso, till she was 18, Mohili Ben Yachid, and I had a boy who was 21 years old. Yomecha Karasi Livni, I called my son, Vidibati Imoi Bachashai, I asked him, I want you to do something for me. I don't want you to ask any questions. He says, I promise you, he told, he told the son, if you do this, I'll make you rich in this world, and you'll be rich in the next world. My son said, Tati, I guess he didn't live in this generation, whatever you want, I'll do. Hi, where are you? We're looking for you. Whatever you say, Tati, whatever you say. Ramati my precious son. I know she has no yichus. I know we don't know where she comes from. I know she has nothing. But I want you to marry this girl I adopted. She'll be your wife. I'm going to make you the biggest wedding. I'm going to give you beautiful clothing. I'm going to buy jewelry. Whatever you say, Tati. So machti simcha so the, the cats of the butcher says, I was so happy, and I made a big wedding, and I bought clothing, I was so happy, and I made the hachanas, and I invited the whole city, and I invited the poor people, and I'm walking around, everybody's eating, except one table. I saw, there's a table, they're not eating, they're not drinking. My brothers, Lama! Oh, like they don't like my food, okay, No! Again, he asked them, why aren't you eating? Did you find something wrong with the food? No. We never saw food like this in our lives. Everything is beautiful. This boy, this young poor boy, who's sitting here, he is crying out of control. He took away our appetites. There's a guy sitting at the table crying away. I was upset. I took this young, poor person in my hand. I took him outside. I told him quietly, What are you doing to me? You're ruining my simcha. 
to, to be Miss Abel and to cry. Why? Why are you crying? You owe money? I'll give you money. Oh no, only the poor boy said, no, I don't owe anybody money. But I'm crying because the girl that's marrying your son was engaged to me. She was a young 12-year-old, but that used to make the Shidduchim early. And I was supposed to marry her, and then she was kidnapped. And now I can't marry her, she's marrying your son. Who hates He took out, he showed him. We were supposed to be married to each other. He said, the Katzer tells the, the Tzadik, he says, so I checked it out, and I saw that this was the right, he, he had a simon, the girl had it was a birthmark, whatever, and he had a simon, and I saw that, it's MS, so he has a whole wedding, band, flowers, all his friends are invited, his son's friends are invited, everyone's eating, ready to go, walk down to the chuppah, and he finds out that there's some guy, some poor guy at this wedding that's going to blow the whole thing up. Blow it to pieces. What do you do? Karasi Livni. So I called my son. I said to him in a secret. Bini Hayakar, my beautiful son. Asisa Ritzani, you listen to me. I asked you to marry her. I need another favor from you. Don't argue with me. Just like I didn't argue with you. And the first time you asked me, Tati, I'm not going to ask, I'm not going to argue the second time. We need to clone this guy. Guys, you can't even imagine such a thing. Imagine, you should never know from this, right? You're the chassan. You're all dressed up. Your buddies are there. Everybody's there. You're about to walk down to Chuppah. Your father says you can't marry her. There's another guy here that that wants to marry her, and they made up already that they were going to get married. You're going to be like, so get rid of him. <laughs> no, really, get rid of him. It's, a, it's an heiress, we can break whatever. Get rid of Like, what? Ta, come on, my boys are here. They flew in from Miami. They flew in Chicago. Like, what are you doing? I'm not giving up my wedding. Work it out with him. Get him a shidduch. I want to marry her. He said, no. He said, fine. Give it to him. Let him walk down. The son said, I want you to give my kala all the clothing you gave to me. He took off his suit. He took off his hat. He took off his new shoes. He said, give it to this poor guy. Everything you bought for me for the wedding, give to him. And all the Caleb, everything that we got as presents, give to him. When he entered the father said, I'll find you another kala. Better than her. I know why my father underlined this because he was like, that's the kind of son I want. He's sending, he's sending me a message. I gave the poor man everything. And I put this boy under the chuppah of the makam b'ni instead of my son. I was happy with Samachti Oisim Koyime Achupa. I took care of them. I made them happy. They stayed in my house. Without missing anything. I bought them a house. I sent them. And the Tamachacham heard this story. He said to the butcher, Baruch Tia, she shisamachti as libi, vanimuusha shili chaver kazebalamata. I am so lucky, I am so happy that I will be your chavusa in the next world. Vakashbachu, yiska isonu shi chakenu balamabayim yehudim sherim, yiska lechaylam haba.
crazy story. My father had this underlined. This was his will. What you're going to hear. So when I, he used to say this story, I loved it. I love this story because I, I see the whole wedding and the switch. And I, you know, my head's like that. And I'm like, wow. You know, and the boy himself, the boy himself who was supposed to be the chassan, he's dancing with the guy who stole his wife. I'm like, this is, this is like the craziest story. And, and, and the father, wow. Doesn't say anything about the mother-in-law. I mean, she may not have been so happy. <laughs> she, might, she might have been like, nah, uh, get, get this guy someone else. But okay, doesn't say anything about it. I asked my father all over Shalom. Ah. Sita, I don't understand. Who really gave up everything in this story? The son. The father's very nice. He's getting his son to, uh, but the Misa, the father's married. This guy's ready, his boys are there, he's ready to get married. I said, the Katsav is the one who's sitting with this big tzaddik. Shouldn't the son be getting the credit? Shouldn't he be getting the credit? My father said, no. He doesn't get that much credit. Because you know why he did what he did? Because his father gave him the right chinuch. To have a son like that, you've got to work very hard. The Katsav brought up a child that was willing to do that because the Katsav himself was willing to do that. So the guy that gets credit is not the boy, the father who's mechanic. Maybe that was the message he was trying to tell me. And that's what I'm trying to tell you here today. That Rabbi Wallerstein speaks and all this stuff. I don't get that credit. It's easy for me because my dad, he, he brought me up this way. It's his credit and he's in Gan Eden. And who knows who his Chavus is. And every one of us in this room can be that father. It's not your kid. It's what you put into your kid. And that was my interaction with my dad on this story that he has on the line. But I have one little extra thing to say. Because of the share that I prepared. If he wouldn't have asked Madua, if he didn't ask the girl, why are you crying? She would have been sold to a bunch of guy and this story would have never happened. And even after he asked the girl why, and she said, I'm looking to be Jew, whatever... If he wouldn't have asked this boy, okay, you know, you're sitting there, you're rooting for everyone, do me a favor, go to the other side, go sit over there. You, no, really. You, everyone wants to eat, you're, you're crying at the table, go, whatever, we'll talk about it after the wedding. We'll talk about it after, that's what I would have said. I see you're very upset, listen, call me, even though I don't call back anybody, but call me, right, call me tomorrow, we're going to do whatever you're going through, I'm going to help you. And then he would have married, the wrong, she, he, she would have married the one guy. Because he saw someone, Moshe Rabbeinu, saw Leroy's. He said, there's something going on here that's wrong. Madua, why are you crying? Then the boy said, well, I was supposed to marry her. The whole story happened because the father asked why twice. Why are you crying, little girl? And why are you crying, little boy? And that's the chinuch that that son has. So, of course, when his father said something, he's like, don't ask why, just do it. The father's telling me to do something, I'm going to do it. What a lesson in Madua. And that's what I want to give this yeshiva. And that's why I came here tonight. Stop focusing on the what. We all see the what. But the great people, ask why. And when you ask why, it means you're ready to do something about it. And that was Moshe Rabbeinu, who's our leader, let's say Shifat Tzadik, who's saved the world. And Akatsev, who's sitting in the highest place in Ganeiden, because he asked a little girl, I see you crying. I'm not going to talk to you about it tomorrow. Now, why are you crying?
Why are you struggling in learning? Why do you have this addiction? Why do you have low self-esteem? Why do you have anxiety? What's going on? Fix the why, all the what's go away. Fix the what, the why stays, and if the why stays, it's just going to be another what. My tefillah to everybody is that you should have the koyach soleros. You should be able to turn your head just east to west, just the turn of the head. And that when you see things that in Kleisrael that are burning, that you guys should be the leaders. And you should say, why are these things burning? And I, I give you my word. When a Kodesh Baruch Hu sees a Jew that not only turns and looks at the pain of Kleisrael, but Yigdal Hayelet, but Hanar, Yigdal Hanar, but not only turns, but he asks why. That's when Akash Baruch Hu spoke to Moshe Rabbeinu. You want God to talk to you? You want God to talk to you? You want to have Hatzlacha in life? Turn your head. Look at the fire that's burning in Klai Yisrael. Ask why. You ask why, Hashem will give you the chance to fix the why. We should all be Zeichah that next year my father's yard site shouldn't be a yard site but he should be here with Tchiyas HaMesim and we should be able to see Moshe Rabbein who asked Madua Yosef HaTzadik who asked Madua and even meet this Katzev I got to meet this guy he was he was like the number one Mechanech and he said guys you're young you have Koyach 75% of success based on failure don't be scared to fail because failure if you learn from it will lead you to success. Thank you very much. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.